You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the house, all the moms that are watching with us Online, and I would be remiss if um, I did not uh, celebrate two very special moms in my life. One is my mom, who is in Tennessee, and she's probably watching online right now. So, hey, mom, I love you, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you soon. And um, the other is um, my wife, who is an incredible mother to our two children. And just doing so much, she, she set up all the stuff outside, all the muffins and all the pretty stuff that I could never do and everything. She's the one that did all of that. So I'm grateful for you and I love you and happy Mother's Day. Um, yeah, so uh, if you got your Bible or you got a smart device, um, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke uh, one of the first four books of the New Testament, those four books we refer to as the Gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are such good news is because they tell us of the, the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be in the third one of those Gospels, the Gospel of Luke chapter 7, and we're going to land there in just a moment. Now, uh, for those of you um, who have maybe have only seen me from, you know, a distance, maybe we haven't had uh, a face-to-face conversation or whatever, um, or, or I don't know, maybe these lights are pretty bright, maybe you can even see, but if you've been up close to me, you can see that I have um, a scar right here on my forehead. And my kids actually tell me that it's more like a five head. And I tell them that they've been written out of the will. So that's how that works. Um, But when I was in kindergarten, um, I was out on the playground one day and I was on the, um, I was on the the jungle gym and the, there was the, the playground that that I was on, there was pea gravel was the, um, was the, the, the substance that, um, you know, for the turf or whatever, and my feet, I was holding onto the side of the jungle gym, and my feet slipped out from under me, and my head came in contact with one of the bolts that held the jungle gym together, and I remember kind of coming to, and I'm looking up at the sky, and, um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what was going on, and I know, man, my head really hurts, And so I reached up and did this, and when I pulled my hand away from my head, it was just covered in blood. And I screamed as loud as I possibly could, I want my mom! That's all that I wanted in that moment was for mommy to come and make it all better. And so I remember my teacher scooped me up, and she took me to the office, and I sat there um, with a cold compress and everything on my forehead, um, and she fed me gummy bears while uh, we waited for mom to come and pick me up and take me to the doctor so that they could put some stitches in my head. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that story later, but today we are in part three 
of a series called Baggage Claim where we've been taking a look at some of the things that you and I tend to carry that weigh us down and end up distorting our true identity in Christ. And these things hold us back from living the life that he's called us to live and becoming the people that he has called us to be. And it's all based on a verse out of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1. It's going to be here on the screen, and it reads this way. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Maybe you can identify with a guy that once observed this right here. He says, in normal life, I've been wearing the same shirt for a week. But when I'm packing for vacation, I'll probably change clothes like three times a day. So 32 outfits should be good enough, right? We always take more. We always pack more than what we actually need. And and that's the idea behind this series. It's simply this, that, that we need to pack for the destination to which we're headed. And in order for us to arrive at that destination in the most efficient and effective way possible, there's some things that you and I are going to have to lay down along the way. There's some stuff that we're holding on to that doesn't need to make the trip with us. And in fact, if we continue to hold on to that stuff, not only is it going to delay our arrival to our destination, but it could get us off course entirely. And so far, in the past two weeks, we've talked about the baggage of regret, and we've also talked about the baggage of shame. And if you missed either of those messages, I would love for you to go back to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and, and check them out. But for, day, for today, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the baggage of hurt. The baggage of hurt. And just the mention of that word, I'll say it again. For dramatic effect. Hurt. It likely conjures up a particular instance from your past or perhaps even something that you are walking through in this current season of life. And as the great theologian Michael Stipe of REM once said, everybody hurts, right? You and I experience hurt for all sorts of reasons. Maybe today your hurt is a result of illness or disease. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's emotional. But you're hurting as a result of illness or disease. Or perhaps today your hurt is related to loss. Maybe you've lost a loved one. You've lost a pet. Maybe it's a job that you lost or a business that went under. Perhaps it was a financial loss where you ended up having to pay a lot of money to cover a bill or you made a bad financial decision. Or maybe it's just relocation that you had to move from one place to another and you're no longer in that place you once loved and you feel a sense of loss because of that. For others of you today, your hurt stems from addiction of some sort. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs or pornography. The the list could go on and on. We also experience hurt in our lives uh, at the hands of those that we're in relationships with. Maybe it's a parent, a spouse that's causing your hurt. Perhaps 
your children or even an extended family member, maybe even a friend or a coworker. And in some cases, it could be a pastor or some other person of authority. And, and I realize that if anybody that's been paying attention to the news here lately, listening to some podcasts, reading some blogs, there's been a lot of stuff um, both domestically and internationally that mentions scandals within the church and things that have happened and a lot of people that have been hurt in the process. And, and if that's you here this morning, let me, let me just say that I'm sorry. From the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry if you've experienced that kind of hurt. And one of the reasons that, that I'm most sorry about that is because I, I understand being in the position that I'm in, the kind of hurt that I can potentially cause. And in fact, in, in that entire list, I check all of those boxes. I am a parent, a spouse, a child, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a pastor. I'm a person in a position of authority. But despite checking all of those boxes, here's something else that I understand. I understand that I'm not perfect. And here's the deal. If I haven't let you down or fallen short or caused you some sort of pain, just hold on because there's a good chance that I will at some point in the future. Not because I'm trying to, not because I, I want to, not because I'm seeking out to make that happen, but it's because I'm human. I'm flawed. I'm depraved, and, and please don't misunderstand me this morning. I, I'm not excusing or justifying any of that behavior. I'm just merely presenting the reality of the situation. Because here's the truth of the matter. The truth is that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And since you and I, we have all experienced hurt, that means that we all have the capacity to cause hurt to others. It's simply the result of our sinful nature. And speaking of hurt, before we move any further, I, I feel like we need to establish kind of a, a working definition of hurt, and it's simply this right here. Hurt is unmet expectation. That's what hurt is. Hurt is unmet expectation. Here's what that looks like. This is what I expected and then this is what happened. And because those two things are not the same, then hurt is what takes place in the middle of those things. It's, it's what we expected is, is up here. It's this thing. And then the actual, the reality of what happened is down here. It's this thing. And so the thing that fills in the gap between those two things is hurt. That's why we get hurt. Because in all honesty, we didn't expect cancer. We didn't ask for depression. You weren't hoping that your loved one was going to die. You didn't want to move away from your family. You didn't mean to get caught up in the addiction. You didn't expect for your dad to walk out on you. You didn't want the divorce. You didn't intend for your child to turn their back on you. You weren't looking to come to a church have a negative experience of, of all places and all things, but yet it still happened. 
Because sometimes life just doesn't live up to our expectations. And whenever that happens, it hurts. It hurts. And so the question is, where can we find hope in the midst of our hurt? Where can we look to that's going to help us to, to, to put another step forward and and put one foot in front of the other to come out on the other side of that hurt, that that maybe we can find a way out from under it. Maybe we don't have to live that way anymore. Maybe we don't have to experience that pain anymore. Is there a way that we can overcome that? And the good news is, is that the Bible tells us exactly that. It talks about this man named Jesus. And so Luke chapter 7, perhaps you've turned there or swiped there with me. We're going to pick up in verse 11. It reads this way. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now, as I read this small passage here in Luke chapter 7, I see a passage full of two different things that are juxtaposed against one another. For starters, we have two crowds, one headed for the city, the other headed for the cemetery. We have one crowd who's following a king, and the other crowd is following after a corpse. We have one crowd that's celebrating the blessings of the Lord, but the other crowd was mourning the loss of a loved one. In addition to the two crowds, we have two only sons. We have one only son that was alive but destined to die, juxtaposed against another only son that was dead but was destined to live. We have two sufferers, one being the widow who was overwhelmed by suffering at the hands of sin. And then we have Jesus, who the Bible calls the man of sorrows, sent to suffer so that sin could be overcome. And then finally, we have the juxtaposition of two enemies, life versus death. All of that in six verses of a story in the Gospel of Luke. And at the core of this passage is how Jesus responds to and deals with our hurt. At the very core of this passage is how Jesus responds to and deals with our hurt. And so if you're taking notes, perhaps you want to write this down. We're going to talk about three truths about Jesus in regard to hurt. Three truths about Jesus in regard to hurt. And the first one is simply this. Jesus can identify with our hurts. Jesus can identify with our hurts. 
In verse 12, it says, a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. See, as we've already established, hurt is universal. One way or another, we've all experienced hurt in some capacity. And even as I read this passage, when we look at this story from the Bible, we see that it is full of hurt and we can readily identify with it because of the experiences that we've had in our own life. They may not be the same experience, but we have endured hurtful experiences. So there's an automatic connectivity there. And this widow that it brings up, not only has she lost her husband, but now she's lost her son. And as this, as this funeral processional is taking place out of the city and they're headed to the cemetery, it's, it's not like the practices necessarily that you and I would participate in here today in our culture. It wouldn't have been exactly the, uh, that way. In, in our case, um, someone dies and then usually it's several days before the funeral and the burial even takes place. And there's a time to kind of collect your thoughts and and and. and go through part of the grieving and the, the closure process and, and to, to kind of let things kind of go through the process and, and let things take their place and everything. But, but in this instance, they wouldn't have used embalming fluid like we would. That, that wouldn't have been part of the practice of this culture, likely. And so it's entirely possible that her son, her only son, died that morning. And then here she is with her family and her friends and this large crowd. And they're headed out to the cemetery later in the day. There would have been no time to grieve. There would have been no closure at all. We're talking about like the freshest of freshest wounds. It's what Jesus is dealing with. And, and this woman, she would have had her livelihood taken away by tragedy. Not only was her husband gone, but now her only son, and so she was left with no way to provide for or to support herself. And so in this moment, she is underneath the, the very pinnacle of emotional and economic desperation. Not to mention the large crowd that is gathered with her. They're, they're connected to, to the thing that had died or that which had been lost. And no doubt they're feeling the, the emotional toll of, of hurt and pain as a result as well. See, we've all got different levels, different experiences of hurt. We could go around the room and everybody would be able to share different hurts, different experiences that they've had, and not, not one would, would be exactly quite like any of the others, but we've all experienced hurt nonetheless. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And it's at the very core of his mission and ministry that we, we know about him and what the Bible teaches about him, that he was sent to endure the hurt and the pain of the cross. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. In those moments of hurt and pain, Jesus Christ is able to readily and directly identify with us and the emotions that we're feeling, the pain that we're sensing, the hurt that we are having to endure. Because he himself was a man of sorrows, acquainted 
with the deepest of grief. So number one, Jesus can identify with our hurts. Number two, Jesus sees us in the midst of our hurting. Jesus sees us in the midst of our hurting. Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, speaking of the widow, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Now, that word see there in the Greek, it's actually the word horao. And it means to see with the eyes or to see with the mind, to perceive or to know. And, and when, I, when I read that, I, I thought about the movie Avatar. Some of you have seen it. You know, and Jake Sully, like he gets in the computer and he, he mind melds with, you know, the Avatar figure. And he goes and he becomes one of the Navi people. And he's standing there and he falls in love with Natiri. And it's that scene where he, he looks at her and he says, I see you. It means I'm not just looking at you. I, I, I don't just recognize that you are in the vicinity of me, that we're in the same presence. He says, no, I see you. It's something so much deeper than just surface level. Like if we looked around this room, we would see that there are other people here with us. But perhaps those that we are closest to, we actually see them. We see deeper than the surface level of what's going on. And so it's the difference between seeing somebody just with our eyeballs, but actually noticing them, noticing things about them, being in recognition of their place in life and their situation. And the truth about Jesus is that he doesn't just look at us and cast judgment. That's not how he... he he operates. That's not how he responds to us. He doesn't look at us in judgment. No, he sees us in compassion. He sees beneath the surface level, down to the very uh, joints and marrows of who we are, our, our very soul, our heart, the, the makeup of everything that we are. He sees us for who we truly are and the pain that we're suffering. And then he comes and he does something about it. The Bible says that, that when he saw her, he had compassion on her. And, and that word compassion, I'm going to butcher this, but it's important. It's the Greek word splenitsomai. Say that three times fast. Splenitsomai. And it, it literally means to be moved in one's bowels. Ultimately, it, it's, it's not talking about having a bowel movement. Although I suppose that could be the result. But it, it, it's, it really means, like, we would describe it as having our gut twisted in a knot. Right? It's like when the ASPCA commercial comes on. And you see all those sad puppies. And Sarah McLaughlin. In the arms of the angel. Fly away. You're like, just take my money. Just whatever. I don't even want the t-shirt. Like, just take, you can have it all. You can have it all. Poor little Fluffy, come home. Or I, I can remember when we were moving from St. Louis and we were, we were moving back from Florida. Sierra was already here and, and Luke and Avery were in the car with me and we were driving and it was, a, it was an awful, like rainy, um, just terrible, terrible storm that we were driving through. And up ahead, not too very far, I saw, I saw a wreck take place. 
And, um, and so, you know, traffic slowed down, and, and I was one of the first people, um, you know, on the scene. And it was so bad that I told Luke and Avery, I was like, y'all need to, you, don't look. Cover your eyes while we drive by. There was a car flipped over, and there was someone that got out, and there was broken glass everywhere, and there was, like, blood all down their face and everything. And you're driving by, and you're seeing. You, you've experienced something like that on the, on the interstate before, and you, you drive by, and you, you have that, that feeling in your gut. Or I remember one day I was sitting here at the office. I was in a meeting with one of our staff, and um, Sarah was calling me. And, um, and, and she called and, and texted, and it was in rapid succession and everything, and so I knew that something was going on. And, and so I picked up the phone, and I called her back, and she said, hey, I need you to meet us at the hospital. Avery's broken her arm. She was skateboarding in the neighborhood and fell and, and broke her arm, and, and it was a, that feeling. And I can remember, because I, I, I was here on the island, so I beat them to the hospital, and I was, I was standing there at the entrance of the emergency room, and I was, I was pacing back and forth, and I was watching the Life360 app for turn by turn to see where they were and when she was going to get there, and I was so distraught. I had, my, my guts were twisted in a knot because I knew that my little girl, daddy's little princess, was hurting in that moment. The Bible tells us that that's exactly how Jesus responds in situations where you and I are hurting. Psalm 34, 18 tells us this. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It can be really easy for us to think that when we endure pain, when we experience suffering, when, when hurt comes in, that it, it's part of that God is punishing us and that he's causing it to happen and that it's because of something that we've done and he's pushing us to the side and, and that we've distant, he's distanced himself from us. But, but the scripture is clear that in those moments, the Lord is close to us. He identifies with us. He sees us. His guts are twisted in a knot because his children are hurting. They are suffering, and he wants so deeply to move on our behalf. Not only does he identify with our hurt, but he also sees us in the midst of it. And then third and finally, Jesus can heal our hurt with a simple touch and a single word. Jesus can heal our hurt with a simple touch and a single word. Verse 14 says, Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, this would not have been a traditional coffin like you and I are thinking, not like a wooden box with a lid or anything like that. Instead, it would likely have been a shallow wicker-type basket that the pallbearers would have carried up on their shoulders. And so this dead body of this boy would have been exposed out into the open. And so Jesus walks over and he, he touches this, this coffin, this basket, and Subsequently, the dead body laying inside of it. And when he did this, what was happening is, is that in, in accordance with Jewish law, Jesus was crossing the line. He, 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 was, he, he was, some would say, he was going too far. See, according to Jewish law, someone in his position wouldn't have been able to touch dead things or shouldn't have touched something that was dead it would have made him ceremonially unclean 
and, and Jesus doing this and, and someone from the outside walking up and just busting into a funeral procession and, and, and causing things to stop and, and putting his hand on the dead body, this would have been unheard of. And to take that a step further, this really would have been shocking and borderline even scandalous that Jesus would have done this. But it just shows us that that Jesus is willing to cross the line to meet us at the very point of our pain. He's not scared of our hurts. He's not intimidated by the mess of our junk and the baggage that we care. He's going to go to the nth degree even to the point of being shocking or scandalous to meet us at the very point of our need and to get right in the middle of it where he's a part of it as well. He's not scared to get his hands dirty. He's not scared of the dead things, the dead parts of our life. But instead, he's going to cross the line to get there and put himself in the middle of it. And then he proclaims one word. In the translation that we read, it's get up. In other translations, it's simply the word arise. In the Greek, it's the word agiro. And it it literally means to awaken or to arouse from the sleep of death, to call forth from death to life. Because it's the very word of the Lord that breathes the breath of life into dead things. And it doesn't take a paragraph. It just takes one. A gyro. And the little boy set up. He was alive. He was breathing again. And Jesus returned him to his mother. And I also feel like it's important to point out this morning that Jesus' healing, it was not based on any kind of prerequisite faith or righteousness on behalf of the widow or anyone there in the crowd. Nobody had to do anything. It was simply based on his compassion for the hurting. See, we don't, we don't earn Jesus' touch on our life. It's not based on anything that we are or anything that we have done or could do. His, his touch on our life, his healing touch, his, his life-giving word into our life, is, it's not based on who we are or anything that we've done. It's based on who he is and everything that he's done. That's what brings healing to our hurts. Isaiah 61.3 says this, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. It's an exchange. He's like, I'll give you this in exchange for that. And we get the best end of the deal every single time because of the work that Christ has done. Now back to my scar. That's all it is today, just a scar. It used to be a painful wound. There was a time in my life where it was was open and it was hurting and there was blood pouring from it. But today, 35 years later, It doesn't hurt anymore. See, 
what happened, happened. I slipped, I fell, I busted my head open on the jungle gym. What happened, happened, but it doesn't have to hurt anymore. The hurt that you carry, that situation, that circumstance, that thing, that person, that relationship, whatever, what happened, happened, but it doesn't have to hurt anymore. See, we, we, we may still carry the scars from where we've been hurt, but they don't have to continue to be wounds. They can heal. Those areas of hurt can, can transform from something that needs to be ministered to and can instead become something that we can minister from. See, in, in verse 16 of our passage, it says, Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And then watch what happened in verse 17. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. The scars that we bear serve as a testimony to others for how God has worked in our life. And those scars can give those people hope that God can work in their life as well. Our scars allow us to identify with the pain that others are feeling and, and that they're experiencing and that they're walking through. And it, it gives us the permission we need to link arms with them and to walk with them during their time of need. And the ability to provide care and encouragement and hope for the future. Because it happened to me and I made it. That means that you can make it through as well, even though it's happening to you. Psalm 55, 22 says this. It says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So I just came to tell somebody this morning exactly what that verse resonates. Is that Jesus can heal whatever hurt you're holding on to. You just have to give it to him. Jesus can heal whatever hurt you're holding on to. You just have to give it to him. He identifies with you in your pain. He sees you in the midst of the struggle. And with one touch, with one word, that's all it takes. He can heal you. The first step to receiving healing is by trusting Jesus with your hurt. You first got to trust him with your heart. If you're here this morning, maybe you're watching with us online, you'd like to do that today. Maybe you'd even like to just recommit your life here this morning. And be sure that you're in right relationship and in covenant relationship with your heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ. If that's you, I invite you to pray this simple prayer. It's gonna be on the screen if you need it. We just pray together. Heavenly father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.